ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mean Gene Okerlund. I'm going to be a nice guy. I'm not going to insult you. I thank you very much. <laughs> Hold on to me as we go. Well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. As we're talking about Macho Madness and Hulkamania, two mega powers beating here tonight. And although this way. I'm gonna go do it right now. Real good impression there, you prick. Just know you're not alone. Cause I'm gone. Gentlemen, as you know, the ultimate warrior. Publicly stated Damn it, who put that up? Is that $200 an hour? Now you are, Hogan. You belong in San Francisco. What's wrong with you, Gene? The trouble in my drag you down. You get lost, you can always be found. Just know we are not alone. Cause I'm gonna make this place your home. If one day I'm called up to the big house, if I'm called. They'll have a funeral. I want you to bury me face down. And then all of my critics can kiss my ass. Friday, January 4th, 2019, and you are tuned into Season 3, Episode 1 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hamian Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, Rick and I are talking Wrestle Kingdom and AEW, but before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, Facebook Hitting the Marks, Twitch.tv backslash Hitting the Marks, email us at Hitting the Marks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me! It's an auto of B to V, and we are here to talk some Wrestle Kingdom! 
Let's yes. get it going, man. Of course, hey. this week's show hey. running a little bit late because we wanted to get your Wrestle Kingdom review in. So, And if uh, memory serves me correctly, I, I think last year at this time, our our highest ratings ever for our show was the Wrestle Kingdom review. Yeah, the preview and the review were the two highest rated shows that we had last year, and I don't think that that's any coincidence. Of course, there was a ton of buzz going into and coming out of Wrestle Kingdom last year. This year, Rick, it was nice to see they did actually sell, I believe it was 6,000 more seats inside of the Tokyo Dome as opposed to last year. So, you know, some people in the West may have been down on this build, but obviously the people in Japan were super into it. Well, I would say immediately, uh, before we jump into saying it, it's probably where you're going to start the show off at. It's always about, you know, the imagery. We, we talk about that, you know, the different presentation. And again, uh, overall, you know, a lot of people think, you know, we're, we're just homers for New Japan. You know, we're, we're always going to suck up to it and try to promote them. And we are. You know, we want to do that for everybody. We, we just want good product. We might not be so up on the show but i always love the imagery man i love that raw feel man that, that a true stadium show where it it feels like a spectacle like a real like the world series or you know a, a college championship and all that and just little nuances that they do just one i picked up on i love the space for press row between the ring and the crowd so they're not right up on your ass you, you have that there, and that's, and that's how it should be presented. It gives you that uh, authentic feel. Yeah, I really enjoy the presentation of Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, next year, evidently, they're going to do two nights in the Dome. It's going to be both. The fourth and the fifth are going to be inside of the Dome. We've got some other big announcements as far as New Japan shows go. Uh, we're, we'll jump into Wrestle Kingdom a little bit for segment two. Uh, but, of course, I, I think the place that we have to start this week is with the death of Mean Gene Okerlund. Um, uh, unfortunately, Mean Gene left us a couple of days ago now. Uh, Rick, Mean Gene was the voice of our entire generation growing up. It didn't matter if you were a WWF kid. It didn't matter if you were a WCW kid. Everybody loved Mean Gene Okerlund. And those, those original promos with Hogan, with Macho Man, with Ric Flair, I, we're really going to miss Mean Gene. I'm going to tell you something that really hit home. You know, so many of us, we, we shared our favorite memories through social media. We've had our private conversations about this. Everyone's done this. What really hit home for me with Mean Gene and really what he meant. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I was out having lunch with my grandfather. And he, and he always he, he always feels like he's breaking news to me in professional wrestling. Hey, did you hear this? You know, like, man, I, I don't ever want to burst his bubble. Like, oh, thanks, Gramps, you know. And, and he even said to me, he said, I don't know a whole lot about what, what you do or professional wrestling in the past. He said, but I remember that guy and I can I'll always remember his voice. Yeah. And, and I think that sets it off perfectly. And, and I feel very much the same way about Mean Gene as I felt about Bobby Heenan when Bobby Heenan passed last year. I, those two guys playing off of each other may have been the best dynamic in the history of professional wrestling. I mean, obviously you got to throw gorilla in there too, but, but the brain and mean gene when they were playing off of one another, and especially when Bobby Heenan came to WCW, I remember that first promo and mean gene was like, Oh my God, what are you doing here? Hey, go waving back, go back to when mean gene was interviewing, uh, the brain, and Bachwinkle into AWA. You betcha. That's where the brilliance. That's where the brilliance started. 
that's where that's where Vince saw. I gotta have these guys. Yep. These guys are at this dynamic. Hey, and you really can't even think, you know, like the, the greatest thing in all professional wrestling. And I, I know you're against this, but you, it's Hulkamania. Yeah. You know, mean Gene was a huge and mean part Gene of was a driving. Mean Gene was a driving force behind Hulkamania. Absolutely. And then even in his latter years, when he went to WCW, the entire reason that he went to WCW was because Bischoff wanted Mean Gene because that was the voice that people trusted. He had established yep. that connection with the fans, and he knew if I'm going to turn this product around, I, I got to let go of Jim Ross because he sounds too Southern, and we're going to bring in Mean Gene Okerlund. And that changed the course of both companies for a very long time to come. I'll tell you what's crazy. My favorite moment uh, with Mean Gene is the the 92 Rumble where Flair is coming back with the belt. And, and if you look at that, though, you look at the four of them. You, you've got Mean Gene. Obviously, you got Flair there. you got Heenan. And you got Mr. Perfect. Out of those four, it's kind of amazing that Flair is still the one walking around. Isn't that the freaking <laughs> truth? My God. The Nature Boy and... Who's going to outlive who? Is it going to be Vince or is it going to be the nature boy? Hey, I, I just don't. I, it's not just my hero. I just don't spell my name his way, but I live his lifestyle. <laughs> 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 oh, that's awful. All right. Let's uh, let's talk to some more happier news. Let's let's talk about AEW. And uh, I didn't even write a show format for this week, Rick. I literally have like an outline and then I have green pen written all over my notes because I've just been adding things as things go on over the course well, of these I, few days. I, I figured this this week's show is going to kind of be like hashtag HTM sports where you yeah. always say I'm going to send you a run. And I say, well, it's kind of obvious what we're going to talk about. Yeah. I mean, these are the big stories that are going around. Everyone is buzzing about all elite wrestling. And now they're finally going to get uh, the in from the probably the people that really are understanding this way different than everyone else. I've listened to the different podcasts and all their takes here. It, it, you know what? And I don't want to sound egotistical here, but I've, I've heard a lot of BS. Oh, yeah. uh, people are just getting overexcited and over the top on this thing. Okay, so let's let's start with what we know. Obviously, we know all elite wrestling is going to be a thing that was dropped New Year's Day at midnight by the Young Bucks on their uh, being the elite show. Uh, so all elite wrestling is firmly established at final battle. We saw all of the elite go down last night at Wrestle Kingdom. We saw all of the elite go down tonight at New Year's Dash. The shit is going to hit the fan. That's exactly what I'm predicting is going to happen. It is going to hit the fan tonight. Um, we'll know a hell of a lot more on Tuesday. And unfortunately, Rick, we're going to have to wait an entire week to talk about this uh, because this rally is going down Tuesday in Jacksonville. And Rick, they're doing this thing for free. It's just show up. And it's going to be in parking lot J of the Jacksonville Jaguars ballpark. The thing that I find fascinating about this, you know, SmackDown is in Jacksonville on Tuesday. Yeah. It, you know, to me, that's a little bit of a turnoff. You, well, you're still piggybacking. Yeah, to me, that's a little like bit it. of a turnoff. Yeah. I know. like it. We, 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 we've seen this so many times. They've already pulled this stunt themselves. Yep. I, I think they should go to a bigger platform. I, I like that they're taking it to the people. They want us, you know, they're, hey, we're here. We're making a statement. But to me, that you don't want to immediately anger the giant or even like pretend that you are. I think you should step back and do this somewhere else. 
See, now I disagree because I think this makes a statement that we're here and we're not freaking afraid of you. Uh, Bischoff did it with WCW. We've seen uh, Paul Heyman did it in ECW. We've seen companies like Ring of Honor and Impact kind of take a step back and say, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And what we have seen is the WWE continue to grow while companies like Ring of Honor and Impact have either taken a step back or stayed at the same platform. I like this coming out and making a statement saying, we're not afraid of you. We're here and we're going to do this whether you like it or not. I actually really approve of this. To me, I, I'm completely, I'm, again, I'm on the opposite side of this thing. It's okay. We're not afraid of you. We are going to challenge you. We're going to, we're going to change this business. This is what the elite is about. That's fine. But by doing it in WWE's backyard, to me, it seems like you're bowing down to them. You're recognizing you are the almighty being. We are chasing you. I'd rather you go somewhere else and put on a platform and say, you know what? We're nowhere near them. We are our own entity. We're going to change it. We're going to create our own course. Uh, we were talking a little bit about the logo off air before we started recording. One of the first things that I did notice, they did not shy away from putting the word wrestling in the logo. I think that right there sets a tone. What are we going to see Tuesday at SmackDown? Is is this crowd going to hijack SmackDown with AEW chance? Well, hey, let's flip it. Let's flip the coin. What we always do here. If you're Vince and company. Are you up in security? Are you checking everything that's gold and white coming through? Or are you double making sure signs what they are? And, and is that really a credit to SmackDown? Do you really want to set a tone that we're more of like the bullies? Uh, you're spray painting other people's property. Uh, again, I, I just don't like this whole atmosphere. Go about your own self. Worry about your own business instead of trying to be a punk, trying to take a bitch slap at the big dog. If you are Cody in the Bucks, do you do anything that you possibly can to secure front row hard cam tickets? Absolutely not. It goes right what I'm saying here. You do your business. And I, I agree because you know you're going to have wrestling fans in that area. You're creating a buzz. Oh, absolutely. Hey, hey, hey in the long term, hey, in the long term, Cody, hey, him and Triple H might be talking. Yeah. Hey, man, let's let's create a buzz. Let's get something hot going here, man. Absolutely. I think that is a I, very real possibility. I, I've always said this, you know, in the bar business, I've had clients, they get they get so afraid when a bar opens across the street. And I always remind them there's a lot of people that want to drink. There's enough business to go around for everyone. So if you if someone opens across the street, they're going to go back and forth. They're not going to drive away. So you're keeping them here. So maybe that's the logic. You know, let's create a buzz here in Jacksonville. Let's get something going, you know, and people are going to go in. Hey, if you're over at the all elite thing, you're going to be hot, man. You're going to be hyped. You go to SmackDown, you're still going to be hyped for wrestling. You still love wrestling. That might be a hot crowd. They better make sure that SmackDown's a damn good show on Tuesday. Otherwise, that crowd will hijack it. Well, you know, we're going to talk Wrestle Kingdom here in a little bit. You know, we've got some great things. You had uh, great developments in MLW. We've got Wrestle Kingdom. we got Dash coming up, which we'll be talking about. We've got Homecoming coming up this weekend. Yep, this Sunday. I mean, this this is a, a, a tremendous kickoff for 2019 for professional wrestling. WWE is, you know, they're they're out there advertising. we got Brock. we got Cena. we got Braun. I mean, you got three of your heavy hitters. This is going to be a huge kickoff. WWE needs to do something major. This because this is really, you know, they announced their shake up weeks ago. This really is the shake up. They're going to have to step to the plate and hit one out of the park. 
let's let me throw it at you. We we did something over on Facebook, uh, on a Hami Media Group. What do you think, Jargo, that WWE needs to do this weekend so that they're amongst the top of the headlines? Hmm. Boy, that's a good question. Uh, it's it's they're at a really interesting point here because we're what two weeks out from the Rumble now. Uh, yeah, we're, we're what two and a half, three, maybe three weeks. Oh, it's like the 29th, something like that. We get that. Is we get that, that gap between. Yeah, we get that gap between Super Bowl uh, championship week and Super Bowl. So we get that that layoff. Okay, so that they're still a couple of weeks out. I think the biggest thing is we we have to handle this Brock Lesnar situation. We have to somehow make this Universal Championship feel important. I personally, if it was me, if I'm Vince McMahon, I'm coming out on Monday Night Raw and saying Brock Lesnar is in the house, and we're not waiting until the Royal Rumble. We're doing this tonight on Raw. They have made a big deal out of the fact that Brock Lesnar has not wrestled on television in what, like seven years? Hey, I love your twist here. Don't have Braun call him out. Have Brock call him out. Yeah. Let's do it the other way. Yep, let's do it tonight on Raw. And and have that set the tone. That's going to be your main event. We're going to announce it at the beginning of the show. Everybody call your goddamn friends because Brock Lesnar is going to fight on television. Hey, open the show with Brock in the corner doing his little bounce. The title's laid on the mat. And Heyman's doing the intro, making the challenge. Veron comes out. They withdraw. It is going to happen. Not now. And as they're leaving, before they hit the top of the stage, Heyman turns around. We'll see you in the main event. Yeah. Or or, or have Vince come out at that point and say, you're right. I don't want it's not going to happen now. Well, you know, the, the McMahon's answer to everything that's wrong with the show is more McMahon. Yeah, I, I was just saying, you know, I'm so turned off with, you know, even that, the whole AJ thing has turned me off here. But, hey, we're talking about uh, – the all elite thing before SmackDown. If you're WWE, how about this for a counter? They've got their big parade going on. You know, everyone's hyped. Send WWE cameras over there. And who's standing there? Just like this. The man. Yep. I would absolutely send have Be- Becky send Lynch. Send Becky Lynch over there. I absolutely have Becky Lynch just standing there. Like you guys think you want some? Come take on the man. Yep. What a what a symbolic, iconic. You want to set the universe on fire? You right betcha. there, Let, right, right in the middle of their thing. This, what's, what's all this commotion? There's WWE cameras. What's going on? And Becky Lynch is just standing there, arms says nothing, just sitting there shaking her head. The symbolic, you want the man, come get the man. Yep, I like because the man, because the man might crush you. Uh, so let's talk a little bit, little bit about talent. Um, we obviously know that Cody is signed. We know the Young Bucks are signed. Uh, earlier today, we saw Scorpio Sky tweet out a picture of him signing a contract, so it seems as though SCU is on board. We saw earlier this week that Britt Baker has signed on. Uh, Rick, but these are all holding deals. There's there's a lot of people talking about contracts here, and these are all holding deals. What are you making of this? I th- This all makes logical sense to me, but... At a certain point, these holding deals have to become real contracts, and that point is when they finally get television. So, I mean, all of these things, really, everything comes down to television. And until we have television, we really don't have a roster. Well, you know what this really reminds me of? This is more of a dick tease. Uh, this goes back, like, are you 13 years old and you're giving a, giving someone a promise ring? Yep, that's exactly uh, essentially, what Essentially, that's what this is. That's exactly what it is. Uh, and and, and then yeah, these become it's fun. It's fun to think about it, and you know what the potential could be. Because even like you said, you get people from SCU who are obviously under contract elsewhere, just signing promise rings. Yep, 
That's exactly what's going on. Uh, now, this all converts into real money and real contracts once they have a television deal. Rick, we're hearing all kinds of things being thrown out there as far as television goes. And the most popular ones that we're hearing are TNT, TBS, and WGN. Are, are you still hearing the same things? I, I am. And, you know, when you look at those things, there's so much. Like I've heard the, uh, the million dollar investment or a hundred million. $100 million. Yep. But what does that entail? You know, it does that include contracts or, you know, negotiations? What kind of deals can you get for uh, distribution? My understanding how long, is how much of that? Million? My understanding is Go that ahead. $100 million covers your startup costs, production costs, and the initial run of contracts. Okay. So, I mean, even with production, what does that entail? Are you going to do live shows? Are you just doing a set of tapings? There's so much that goes into that. It sounds like a, a great amount of money. Anyone love to have them play with that thing. But let's not forget here, in this day and age, a million dollars ain't shit. Right. That's so the you're other time thing. to buy a hundred on this grand scale of, you know, well, so what kind of talent? What are you paying? I, I heard a ridiculous rumor out there that they're offering WWE style contracts. Well, and my first reply to that was, well, which what WWE employees are we talking about? You know, we're talking about the Cenas of the freaking world. We're probably not even talking about the Kurt Hawkins of the world. You know, are, are we talking about the catering people? You know, what and how, you know, what is your game plan going forward? Well, I mean, there's so many, so many angles you could come at this thing. And everyone, and I understand, it's like Christmas morning. You, what's in the box? You're speculating. You're hoping for that, that great prize. Yep. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple other names out here that I am now starting to hear mentioned. And Rick, I'm curious if, if these do anything for you, because I think these are three very, very interesting possibilities. The first one is AMC. Obviously, we've seen AMC have a complete resurgence with The Walking Dead, with Breaking Bad. Could you see AMC airing professional wrestling on their network? Because that actually makes a lot of sense to me at this point. Well, I think, too, let's look at how this elite group has presented themselves. You know, look at being the elite, you know, the online series. It's much different than what we're used to from any other promotion, even, you know, Lucha Underground. Yeah. They, they, they got their own style, and you got to look at, like, at different fits. I could very much see, and going back to the initial question, I'm sorry I got sidetracked on that thing. It was my rant, but I could see TBS and maybe not so much TNT. You know, they're, it doesn't seem like the demographic there. TNT's TBS, got their hands in a lot of stuff right now. Well, and you look at those two stations, they've got low-budget originals, and they're heavy in syndication. But they have invested money. You've got Major League Baseball, you've got the NCAA, and you got NBA on those channels. Yep. So maybe that fits in there. But I love that you're saying AMC. I think that could be, with those guys, with what in their minds, what they're going to present could be a perfect fit there. Two other what, what are your other ones? Because I got one in mind. The two other ones that I am now starting to hear mentioned, I think, are very, very intriguing. And those are Netflix and Amazon Prime. Uh, I, I love their progressive thinking. You know, that is where everything is going in that direction. I, I just really think, you know, if you want to make yourself a serious player today, you, you have to have distribution. I agree. I think you have to those have lines. some kind of cable distribution in order to get uh, people to go to those streaming services to watch the show. Right, right. Well, let me throw another one at you here. 
And uh, MSG and I were talking about this, and we both thought it was it may, might be a perfect fit. Uh, we're we're going back to the TBS and the TNT, and yeah. we're going to go with uh, uh, Warner Media. What about Adult Swim? Yeah, I think Adult Adult Swim is one that I've heard thrown out there a couple of times, and I really really like that with their version of humor and the way that they shoot being the elite if you're just going to turn that basically into a one-hour show that's also going to have professional wrestling on it i could absolutely see it going to adult swim and i can see that fit in almost any night of the week you know especially thursday through sunday which is the hot hours for adult swim you know maybe you, you lead in uh from eight to nine with like some dragon ball and then from like nine to ten You've got your all elite wrestling or nine to 11, even if they want to do the two hour. I still think they're looking at Tuesday. I think the show will be on Tuesday, regardless of where they end up, because they're going to try to fill that SmackDown time slot. Well, let me ask you this. Is Tuesday really the hottest time? Because look what it's done to SmackDown. We've talked about this so many times. You're, you're almost you're so you get that raw hangover where it just hurts, man. You don't want the hair of the dog anymore. You're, you're turned off by it. Could that backfire? It could, absolutely, especially straight out of the gate for for the casual viewer trying to find this thing. Um, that's why I, I don't think Access TV is going to be included here because what I'm hearing is they're going to need probably about $50 million in TV distribution rights in order to actually pull this thing off the way that they have all these contracts phrased if these become real TV contracts. I don't think Access TV has the distribution to fund that kind of property unless you're going to give Mark Cuban a ownership stake in the company, which is a distinct possibility. Could you imagine Cody and the Bucks going on Shark Tank? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. For 10%, I could. For 10 for 10%, Mark, we're going to give you all of this and we just need your your network. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a couple other uh, talents that I wanted to talk about here because these are talents that we know are going to All Elite Wrestling, and these talents have jobs other than being talent. Uh, number one, we have Brandy Rhodes. Brandy Rhodes has been named your chief branding officer. Uh, seen a lot of conversation about that one. And the one that is going very, very unmentioned that I think is a huge signing for All Elite Wrestling, and that is going to be in a producer role and also kind of helping guide the business and that is a gentleman by the name of bj whitmer well you, you're talking about uh i'm talking about about whitmer there what a great fucking find yeah what a great pickup for all elite what, wrestling what a tremendous pickup and you know to speak overall and I, I especially you know i love brandy in the in the cbo uh, she, she's going to do amazing things there. And a lot of people think, you know, she's just this pretty face, Cody's wife. She's a very intelligent woman. Yeah. And she does have what? Two degrees in this. Right. So much background. Uh, CBOs in this country are getting better and better looking every day. Uh, I think I'm, I might have to find like a new field of work. <laughs> or at least get my fucking tooth fixed. <laughs> Yeah, I, I personally, I, when I first heard this, I my feeling was it should have been Mrs. Matt as the chief branding officer. Um, but I have a feeling that you're going to see Dana working more behind the scenes than you're going to in front of the that's, camera like that. I'm going to say, think about this. You know, when we talk about marketing, who's going to be the face of the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling podcast, I'd sure as hell rather have Carly out there than me. Yep. But I'm still putting in the work and the hours and doing that. And not saying that, you know, Mrs. Jackson isn't a beautiful lady. We, hey, we met her. She was very nice to us. Oh, yeah. Gave us the moment 
time Which, and all that's that. great. But you know, she she doesn't she doesn't hunger for that spotlight. Right. She realizes that she can do her contributions and she's probably more focused and let Brandy shine. Put her in that spot and she's going to be one of the driving forces behind the scenes. And that's what people need to realize. The two of them working together, they're already an incredible machine. Now we're going to take them to this platform. I really like the BJ Whitmer signing, man. Uh, that That's the one that really stands out to me that nobody that is, is talking about. That's one that's going to go under the radar. Uh, his mind and even going for, you know, further back and how much, you know, I appreciate and and love my roots here in southern Ohio. He was one of those guys with Cody Hawk. He was one of those guys around here that drove a lot of these talents that you see today. One of the the greatest minds that you're going to have around and even throwing out there, you know, I, I don't know if Cody and BJ are, are on good terms right now. Cause you know, sometimes in that intensified industry, hell, you know, with your old bands and all that, you lose contact. Uh, could you imagine putting together a team like that? Absolutely. And, and bringing in, you know, you just every now and then maybe uh, you ask Les Thatcher for some help. If I'm you're putting together a booking committee. Those are all brains that I want sitting at my table. Hey, and I'll tell you another one out here. That just uh, he's our brother, and I'm sure he's all over this. Ben Hameen should be doing everything he possibly can to get in with this group. Yep, I absolutely, 100%, completely agree. Um, I want to talk about Sam Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Shell Vickery Shell, I want to talk about the the original Shell, Sam Roberts. Uh, which hey, I got my hair. Seems I don't have my Sam hair anymore. <laughs> uh, and why on earth would we want to talk about Sam Roberts? Uh, Rick, a couple of years ago, you remember uh, Cody left the WWE and Cody went on the Sam Roberts show and he was making the comment that the way that this was supposed to work originally, there was supposed to be a mass exodus. There was supposed to be a whole bunch of talent that was leaving, not just Cody Rhodes. And in the end, Cody was the only one that ended up leaving because other people have families they have to support and realize maybe this wasn't such a good idea. So I, who's I, going with me? Who's going with me? Yeah, exactly. Very Jerry Maguire, right? Um, so oh, I was going with uh, what was the Chappelle movie? Oh, I'm not gonna do what I'm thinking. I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna flip. Out. Yeah, which is that's a parody from Jerry Maguire. It's Tom Cruise. I know. I know. It is. But in my mind, I was thinking about the, the weed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously we don't know all the WWE contract details, but we can kind of speculate a little bit. Do you see, is there anybody like who would be that big Lex Luger moment for you? Like at the first all elite wrestling show during the first match, some WWE talent is going to come walking out and you're going to go, oh shit, this is real. Is there is there that talent on the WWE roster right now? You just laid down a canvas for me. I actually want them to do a show from the Mall of America, and I want them to recreate the whole Luger thing where Bischoff walks out. Oh, with Bischoff. That would be interesting. Yeah. And Bischoff come walking I, out just pissed. No, you just guys a, can't do this. Just a Luger moment, and it's just Bischoff. <laughs> He's going up to sleep. But you know what? We, we're seeing all these rumors. Of course, the biggest one running around. It's kind of laughable. AJ Styles. Yeah. And then come on. I mean, come on. Right. You know, eventually, you know, after his deal's done, he can come do some cameos for you. The guy is the top in the world right now. He's making all the money. And, and AJ has been very upfront about it, man. This is about his family. 
this WWE run is to secure, not even for himself, his wife, his kids, his grandkids, his great-grandkids. We're talking serious money here, and people are hopeful for things like that. So we got to move down the card. Well, and I think the big thing with AJ is AJ's not signing a goddamn holding deal. I mean, like AJ is here for guaranteed money. I need to make as much money as I possibly can, and I need to make it right now. He's not even show me the steak is cooking. You got to present it to him. Right. Now, let's go down. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll throw out a name here that I think really could thrive under uh, what All Elite is presenting. You know, if they're true to their word where, or, you know, just their philosophies where they'll let you shine. How about a Zack Ryder? Zack Ryder's a good one. That's a good one. Of course, we've seen Zack Ryder and Cody uh, exchange a few tweets. Uh, I, I know everybody is expecting for me to say Tyler Breeze. Obviously, we just saw Cody and Tyler Breeze have an exchange here not too long ago. Um, Rick, I don't know how big of a name this necessarily is, but to me, this is the one that stands out that he he absolutely needs to do this. And that's Cesaro. Is Cesaro a big enough name? Could you have that kind of Lex Luger moment with with Cesaro? Is he a big enough name to pull that off? Let me let me give you a, a pairing. What if the Kings of Wrestling showed up? Oh, get the hell out of here. Oh, no. And Cesaro? Yeah, that would be huge. Good God. Could you imagine a Kings of Wrestling versus Young Bucks feud in 2018? Ooh. <laughs> I, I know uh, I, I might have a Kleenex segment. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, right? Uh, yeah, but you talk about the possibilities. You know, if they're true to the word giving opportunity and letting people actually shine themselves, you, you look at those those individuals that have that personality, that persona. You know, the charisma to really grasp something like that. Uh, here's another question for you. What about Big Brother? What about Dustin? Yeah, I think Dustin is a good one, but I don't know how he would fit I, I would into that air. scene. I don't, I, don't, I don't think on air. Oh, yeah. Behind the scenes as an agent or a producer? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, help, helping with character work. Absolutely. Uh, developing talent, things like that. Uh, the other one that that just jumps off the page to me, and I have no idea what his contract status is. Well, actually, there's a couple of them. Uh, but the first one would be Finn Balor. I think he would be the biggest name. Could, I, I could actually see Balor taking this jump. Could you at this point? I, To me, I think he'd be best suited going back to Japan. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's does, a distinct possibility make- as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or, I, I was thinking of like if you're one of those guys that are considering the top WWE, it's almost like you're bailing out. You're taking your ball and going elsewhere. But if you're like that mid-card group. Well, so along the lines of what I'm saying, could you see maybe even like someone like Ziggler doing anything? Or is he like too far gone? I, for, think, Ziggler, I think Ziggler really wants to focus on his comedy more so than anything. Um, I, I'm also trying to think of people with connections to the elite, which brings up Kevin Owens, uh, Sammy Zayn, Undisputed Era. Um, uh, I, I think there's a lot of talent in NXT that could, if they if they don't feel like they are getting the push that they deserve or, or that pushed up to the main roster, I could see them doing it. I still think, you know, for talents like Zayn and KO, there's still so much growing and so much more for them to capitalize on in WWE aside from just making a jump to me for those guys with seeing that there's still room to grow. It's almost like you're bailing. You're, you're bailing too soon just to go with the hip trend. 
where they should finish what they're, what they're in. Do you read anything into Britt Baker signing with AEW? Should we be expecting Adam Cole to leave NXT when his deal is up? Not one bit. You know, Britt's kind of been looked over a couple times. I think she just knows. You know, and again, why? if you're her, why wouldn't you sign that paper? Her name's right now. And, and like we said, this is just a promise ring. This is just a... Uh, this is a publicity stunt right now. Yeah. These aren't real deals. Uh, not until there's television. Right. So in the last 48 hours, more people are talking about, you know, Brit since, since all in. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Um, here's what else we know. We know that double or nothing is coming. Um, now here's my opinion and I don't know this to be 100% certain, but here's what I would expect. I expect Double or Nothing is going to come from the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is where Ring of Honor ran last year when they were down there. And I expect that is going to be Memorial Day weekend. Then I am also expecting another show on Labor Day weekend, which will be All Out. Now, Rick, we have talked a little bit about All Out off air um, and, and I think you can look at all out in a couple of different ways. When we first heard this, people were like, oh, this is where they're going to split up the elite and you know, blah, blah, blah. No, this is where they're going to go all out. I think this is going to be a stadium show and I think it's going to come to us from Jacksonville, but you brought up a really good one yesterday when we were talking about this off air. Well, yeah, you know, we're talking, you know, all out, you know, we're, we're breaking out. Uh, there is no ceiling for us essentially. So we're going to do a stadium show. We were talking about Jacksonville, and we were talking about the capacities, how that could look. But we were also talking about tie-ins to the Khan family. Well, they happen to have their own little uh, FC stadium over in London. So if you're going to go all out, right, go out, go out of your country. And you know that the UK would pack the ever-loving hell out of it. Well, as we looked... At, you know, if we're looking at Jacksonville Stadium, we broke it down. You know, maximum, you've got, what would we say? Was it 82,000? Yeah, that's with the extended somewhere, seating. Somewhere along those lines. And you got, you know, and they do have built-in tarps where they were covering their own ass before. So that you can cover it up. Which brings it down to about 65,000, if I remember well, right. At, yeah, their, their capacity for football is 67. There you go. Uh, and back, back then, they were only drawing... They were only drawing like 52. They were only drawing like 52. So they were they were pulling it down a little bit. But, you know, they could build that up. Uh, but we thought, you know, you go over to, is it is it Fordham? Yeah, I believe that that's where, where it is. Fordham, Fordham FC capacity, you could get 30,000 in there. I think you'd have people waiting outside watching in parking lots. Yeah. Uh, but, as, as of course, you know, I threw it out to, to our man across the drink there, Mr. Money MacGyver. You know, and he, still, he was still persistent, you know, doing it at the O2 Wembley. And I, and I replied to him, like, well, we don't have ties there. You have to rent that arena. Right. With the cons, you've got a free stadium. Exactly. But he brought up, well, he brought up, though, logistically, it, it's a bit of a pain in the butt to get there. You know, and, and you really have to, and I guess the area it's in is very iffy on weather. So you're going to be hoping for the best, but hell, they thought that about all in one, yeah. you know, we're out at Sears center. We're away from Chicago and look at the people that, you know, flock to that, to that area. 
Now, I guess my question to you, um, because at this point, and we're going to talk about it in segment two, at this point, I am under the assumption Kenny Omega is not signing with All Elite Wrestling, at least not on an exclusive deal. Okay, and we will talk about that when we talk about the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match from Wrestle Kingdom. Rick, for All Out, do they need a name like CM Punk to pull this off? Could you see CM Punk returning for All Elite Wrestling? Uh, again, you know, it comes down to timing and location. And, and and what's the pitch there? You know, or is is that going to be the tournament to crown the champion? You know, if it's in Vegas, I don't think you need that draw. People are going to love to go there. I know, hey, I'm going to I'm going to pack up the car, drive right by Iowa, pick you and Carly up and we're heading down there. We're going to make a road trip and a road show out of it. We're going to be filming stuff the whole way. Right. Double uh, or Jack- nothing in Vegas. I completely agree with you. I think they can pull that off with basically the all in roster and make replacements where needed. But for all out to do a stadium show. Oh, no, I'm saying for there. And then if you're going over across the drink, you're going to London. I think those guys are so hungry. They're so passionate. They, they want to be a part of this driving force to make this theirs. I mean, this will be like their WrestleMania one, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you need that. Now, if we're talking Jacksonville, where we might have to fill, you know, you, you've even with the tarps and staging and all that, you're still looking at 60,000 to fill your, your bottom bowl. I think you need something huge like that. You suppose Daniel Bryan's kicking himself right now for re-signing with the WWE? No. I, I, he probably is. He's keeping an eye on it, uh, You know, wishing them well. I got a feeling that Daniel Bryan, is, he's, he just comes across as a dude that's so secure and, and happy in his decisions, and he knows that his family's doing well. And he's got – hey, he has one thing that outside of Brock Lesnar most don't have, and that's creative control in WWE. So he's sitting – He's sitting pretty high on the roof there. That certainly helps. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so that's enough about All Elite Pro Wrestling. We're going to go ahead and we'll throw it over to your musical break. And when we come back, it will be time to discuss Wrestle Kingdom 13. We'll see you on the other side for segment two.
Alright, so we're back for segment two, and Huckleberry, it is time to talk about my favorite show of the year, and of course that show is Wrestle Kingdom! Wrestle Kingdom 13 this morning, coming to us from the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan. And Rick, I gotta say, of all the Wrestle Kingdoms that I have watched live, this was probably my least favorite. I say it's time to talk to Wrestle Kingdom! But, as you said, uh, coming in with so much energy, so much hype, and I wonder, you know, I think we've hyped ourselves up so much for Dash that we were kind of overlooking this show. Yeah, that very well could be. Um, and, and, you know, we, it, we thought. Go ahead. I was going to say, we thought there, there was going to be so much going on. Hey, and there was some great in-ring action, a, a little over the top for me, as we're going to break down each match. I was actually watching this thing with our good friend Eric Lake, and I was trying to explain the subtleties of what Jargo likes and what I don't like or what I like and what Jargo doesn't like to him. So it, maybe that was a little uh, diverse effect on, you know, how I perceived it. But there's a couple things in here. I, I'm, I'm betting that you're going to love that. I just turned me off on this thing. Uh, and there was a couple of things on here that I'm sure that uh, a lot of people loved that. I just didn't like nearly as much as I, I may have or could have. Uh, but it's funny, Rick, because, you know, I say that I'm, I'm kind of down on this Wrestle Kingdom in comparison, but I still feel like this was a very, very good show. Well, I, I think it was, um, I don't want to say tremendous. I don't want to say solid. Somewhere in the middle there. I was entertained throughout. I was on the edge of my seat. I wanted to see what was going to happen there. But I, I, I felt there was a lot of letdowns. And again, that might have been because I'm looking forward to Dash and all elite wrestling announcement on Tuesday. There's just so much going on right now. Everything kind of overshadowed the show that we usually expect to set the tone for the whole year. And if this was the tone for the entire year, it is going to be a crazy year in new Japan pro wrestling. We had nine matches on the mate card. Eight of them were for championships and all eight championships end up changing hands. Rick, what did you think of that? Because I, I thought that was a bit much. Well, I'll tell you what, as I said, I was sitting there watching with our good friend, Eric Lake, and about match five in, he says to me, how many fucking belts do they have? Too goddamn many. That's right. for and, sure. you know, That seems to be like this you know, running theme across professional wrestling. Hey, he, and he's kind of a, he's, he's getting an interest. He wants to, you know, figure out more about our world and all this. That was his question. He said, exact line. How many fucking belts do they have? It seemed like every match was a title match. And now after you actually lay it out there, it was. Yeah. All, all but white versus Okada. 
and in the opening, man, really disappointed we didn't get the rumble. See, and I, I was completely fine with that because I've never been a big fan of the New Japan Rumble. Uh, this year's show starts off with a never open weight six man number one contenders match. This is actually technically the pre show. And we see Toru Yano, Togi Makabe, and Ryusuke Taguchi defeat Marty Skrull, Hangman Page, Yujiro Takahashi, her, the team of Hiroki Goto, Chucky e. T, Beretta, uh, David Finley, Jeff Cobb, and Yuji Nagata. And then the team that I expected to win this whole thing, Minoru Suzuki, Lance Archer, and Davey Boy Smith Jr. Rick, I could not freaking believe they put fucking Yano over. Of all the talent in this fucking match, they put over fucking Yano. All right, uh, again, this is going to be the last time I'm going to reference uh, Mr. Lake while we're doing this review. But I, I, I nudged him. I nudged him right at the finish of this match. Oh and I said, God. I guarantee, I said, listen back to this show. I said, when you listen tomorrow, I nudged him. And I said, he is, Jarko is going to go through the fucking roof that they put. Yano, Yano, they put him over in this damn thing. But again, you know, it's pre-show stuff, man. You know, they're, they're giving a little bit of shine there. Giving him his moment. It, it was really fine and dandy. But tonight at New Year's Dash, this team is going to get a shot at the never open weight six-man championships, which are currently held by Taiji Ishimori and the Gorillas of Destiny. You could have had Suzuki Goon, Minoru Suzuki, and the Killer Elite Squad. Versus G.O.D. and Suzuki, but instead you're going to give me fucking Yano? Hey, who says that doesn't happen? I'd have those guys come beat the fuck out of them on their way to the ring. Hey, they're going westernized. They're making their own matches now. Beat the fuck out of them on the way to the ring. Like, nope, this is our spot. Let's do this. If you really want to you want to kick off Dash? And a if you really wanted to play into the storyline and the narrative here, Yano, of all people should not want to win this match because Yano is afraid of Tongans. That's part of his character. Well, let's see how it plays. You know, it's like you said, it's pre-show, but I was, I was, it was a great surprise. I was pissed. And then, and then we also have this interesting dynamic here, Rick, that I don't know if anybody is paying any attention to. Yano is in chaos. Taguchi obviously is in Taguchi, Japan. Makabe is part of the Great Bash Heel, which is the faction that evolved into chaos. These three guys, they, they don't even run together. Don't understand it. So pissed off. Let's talk about the main card. <laughs> let's talk about the main card. And specifically, let's talk about Kota Ibushi. Uh, th th this show opens with Will Ospreay versus Kota Ibushi, which very well may have been the match of the night. Uh, this thing was absolutely freaking insane, and I loved every goddamn second of it, except for the finish. I did not like the finish whatsoever. I didn't like the elbow to the back of the head from uh, Will Ospreay to Kota Ibushi. Um, but it has been official now. Kota Ibushi has been diagnosed with a concussion, which New Japan Pro Wrestling is saying is not a big deal, uh, which is their way of saying that it's not serious, but it's just the English translation of the press release. It says that it's not a big deal. It means it's not a serious concussion. Uh, they take Ibushi out on a stretcher, and Rick, I felt like this thing kind of popped the Tokyo Dome. Like, as hot as the crowd was for this match... I don't feel like we ever got that momentum back when they carried Ibushi out on a stretcher. Really, uh, really surprised where they put this thing on the card. 
You know, this is usually reserved for your junior tag and all that, you know, trying to get that flow going. Uh, I'm on a different side of the fence on this from you, man. Didn't like it at all. I, I enjoyed it up until uh, the first concuss spot where he's, you know, Will sitting there with his, his eyes in the back of his head in the count. And then Bushy picks him up and power bombs him and he kicks out. At that point right there, I said, I am done with this match. I said, you've just completely lost me every bit. And then they went on for another, what, 10 minutes. I was going to say probably about 10 minutes after that. What did you think of the spot to end this thing? I'll be honest with you. Like I said, man, I was kind of checked out. I I started skipping through. Uh, I was a little, I was behind on time on getting up for this show. Uh, so I, was, I, I started skipping through. I was so checked out at this point on this thing, but it, I, I got the rest of it. You know, they hit all their big spots. You had your moments. And when you had that concussed moment in the middle of that match, the whole thing at the end completely lost me. Really kind of took me out of the show because for the rest of the show, you're expecting an update on Kota Ibushi. Like I figured this was actually part of the angle for the main event. That was actually my official thought going into this thing. Oh, you're, you're, you're initially thinking, you know, and what a terrible way to open. You're stretching someone out. Right. You know, That's what I'm saying. It, it, just, it took the crowd out of it completely. Right. Well, even, even if it is, you know, if it is legit, which to a certain sense, yes, it is there. Give an update. So, cause everyone's still probably like you're saying, you're wondering, is he okay? What happened? You know, was there it was something to the spine, just a concussion, give an update somewhere. They just pretended it didn't happen. Yeah, because immediately it brought back flashbacks to the Shibata thing when he collapsed backstage and Hiromu. And uh, and then, of course, there were some spots later on in this show that it was just like, oh, God. Oh, God, like Naito and Jericho. There was a couple of spots there where it was just like, oh, my God, Naito's dead. Well, you have something like that early in the show and you have a no DQ match coming later. At least let us know. Give us something that still says, okay, you should still be this this next match is gonna be more dangerous. So then they move on. What what changes does this might have for Dash? Yeah, that that absolutely is a, a huge question looming right now because we know it was supposed to be the golden lovers tagging together tonight. I don't know if Kota Ibushi is gonna be cleared to wrestle. Do they have the same protocol or like is there you're more in touch with their society than I am? Like, are they crazy over the concussions like we are? I don't want to say crazy over because it's it's a serious thing, but not really. Or is it something that they kind of not really I just mean, get out there and work? Yep. That's what I'm afraid of. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens at New Year's Dash tonight when it comes to Kota Ibushi, because I don't I, I don't think he should be wrestling tonight from everything that I've heard. Uh, let's talk about the Junior Tag Team Championship Triple Threat for the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championships. Shingo getting his first taste of New Japan Gold uh, alongside of Bushi representing Los Ingobernables de Japón. They defeat the uh, reigning tag team champions of Desperado and Kane Amaro representing Suzuki Goon and Rapungi 3K, the winners of Junior Tag League. Uh, Rapungi 3K taking the pin after Suzuki Goon's 320-day reign comes to an end. Rick, I guess the big question that I have here, and especially as I was watching this match, how long can they justify Shingo being a junior heavyweight? I, I kind of pop for that. 
I, I think it's it's kind of that dynamic there is kind of funny. Uh, again, you know, just overall in this match, I don't know if I like triple threats in New Japan. No, not so much. I mean, I, I, I like them better than a WWE triple threat. It's just, especially on a show like Wrestle Kingdom, give me two on two. I don't need triple threats. Yeah, it's, especially for a championship. You want a traditional style. I really don't even know if anyone's ever done a triple threat right since ECW, the original, when Paul Heyman was putting together. Well, and then you also have this dynamic of, you know, show and yo, one junior tag league, Desperado and Kane Amaro, the, the reigning champs, 320 days coming in. I almost feel like Shingo and Bushi shouldn't have even been in this match. And if they wanted them to win the junior tag titles, why not just put them over in junior tag league? You know, again, another good question here. Like, is this is it so much of the influence from the Western where they thought, you know, if you can include more people, you got more emotion going on, more excitement. Feels like a Herald thing, doesn't it? Right, that's what I'm saying. You know, going going back to that, and I think you know, as we're going to talk through this card, you saw so much from the West, so much influence, and maybe overall, that's what took away from this show a little bit. A little bit. I also think a lot of this talent is starting to feel overexposed because we're seeing them in so many different promotions. Like, my God, how many Will Osprey matches did you see last year? Well, I was actually, you know, I just pulled the card up here. I was kind of going off the hip as we were running through the show here, but I pulled the card up so I could reference some stuff. Uh, as I look through this, you know, we see these people on the weekly. Yeah. You know, where's where's the uniqueness? Where's the the thrill, the excitement of, you know, having that, that special flavor? Zack Sabre Jr. taps out Tomohiro Ishii to win the British Heavyweight Championship. I cannot believe Ishii submitted. That was surprising, but I would tell you, uh, there was a couple as we were talking off air, a couple of lines of the night. There's one that I really loved in this match, and it was thrown out there. If you want to trade chops with Ishii, you're better off going to hell. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought this match was absolutely fantastic. Zack Sabre Jr. doing I enjoyed Zack Sabre one. Jr. does. My, this, this was one of my favorite matches of the night. You know, you know I'm a sucker. For the pit bull. I love him, man. Everything he's doing there. And I love the finish here. You know, he, uh, Saber Jr. bringing the title back to Suzuki Gun. Uh, I, I kind of love that whole dynamic. The thing I love the most about this entire matchup was the psychology inside of the match. Zack Saber Jr. just squares in on a body part and he did things to Ishii's arm that I didn't know that the human anatomy could bend that way Ooh. and not break. Ooh. The, uh, the superplex where he held on to it. Yeah. I love that spot. I absolutely love that spot. See, in this I wasn't match. sure if you would like that or not, because in a way, didn't he completely no sell that superplex? No, I thought he sold it perfectly, but he still held his move. He, I, I love the dynamic of it. All right. I know I'm going to go through hell here. You know, just like I just said, I know I'm going to have to take this, but everything in me has to hold this move. I'm going to take down this fucking bull. For those who didn't see it's it, like, Zack Sabre Jr. basically reversed a top rope superplex into a Kimura slash arm bar when he hit the To mat. me, it was, it, it goes back to, you know, the old saying, grab the bull by the horns. To me, that's what that meant. 
And I thought it was a great spot. And I love it. I thought it was sold perfectly. I, I thought, you know, he showed the pain on the mat. And you could see it in his face where I still got I to gotta hold this. I got to hold this if I'm going to take down this, this animal. Now, I know that typically you are not a junior heavyweight guy, and I still view Zack Sabre Jr. as a junior heavyweight, even though he's fighting in the heavyweight division. What do you think of Zack Sabre Jr.? Because there's so much of his offense that just seems so believable because it's all about leverage and positioning, and he's just a master at it. And yet, when like Ishii would slap Zack Sabre Jr., he would go flying like 30 feet. I think he's one of those guys that kind of transcends, you know, weight limits or divisions. He can wrestle any style. He's he's they're kind of thought out there. Maybe someone listening that's not really familiar with it. He is an evolved Daniel Bryan. The guy can wrestle any style, anywhere, anytime in the world. Uh, I really appreciate everything he does. I, you know, for you know people that are against and hell, I'm one of them. The dot dot dive guys. This guy transcends that. He can take you into that world and then take you into a, a technician style. You know, he can take you into a streets fight. I really think this guy has all the tangibles for true greatness. I like Zack Sabre Jr. a lot. And his style seems so incredibly safe, yet it looks so incredibly painful. It it goes back to one of the greatest things uh, that I've ever heard, and I'm going to reference the great Lance Storm. You know, everyone's always about New Japan. He said this, you know, everyone's about New Japan and it's stiff. They know how to strike. You know, they really work. And he was like, yeah, we make you think that. Yep. And that was kind of the thing with the Kota Ibushi thing where it was like, oh, my God, is this a work? Is this a shoot? Because you could see it going either way because the spot was so freaking believable. Because at this point, I'm even like, you know, here we are five matches in and I'm still worried about Ibushi. We need more of that in professional wrestling. And I'll I'll go you know, our, one of our great platforms we're on, great partners, great friends with those. You know, Ryan sometimes, Ryan KBM is, is sometimes always like, well, they go too real sometimes. You know, to me, they don't go real enough. You need to believe. You need to buy in. You, you have to have your heart, your emotions. You have to be invested into something like this. And I absolutely was because this whole card, I was worried about Ibushi. Uh, Evil and Sonata win the tag titles from G.O.D., the Young Bucks taking the pin. Um, I I thought it was clear that when the Bucks were injected into this match that it was going to be the Young Bucks taking the pin, obviously, with everything going on with AEW. Um, Supposedly, AEW officials, which basically means Cody and the Bucks, were meeting with Ring of Honor officials and New Japan officials, and everybody was getting together after Wrestle Kingdom and kind of talking things out and seeing if there was going to be some kind of a working relationship going forward. But with all that kind of up in the air, I think everybody expected the Young Bucks to take the pin here but it really surprised me how irrelevant G.O.D. felt inside of this entire match. Like, this felt like it was more of a feature for Evil and Sonata than your defending tag team champions. I think I think that the firing squad was incredibly disrespected here. Well, was that by design, possibly? That very you know, well could be. The, you know, so now that they can come out that the Bucks are leaving, you know what, they stole our spotlight for the last time. We've exiled them. They're out. Can we see something at Dash where maybe you got the Gorillas versus the Bucks uh, to to leave New Japan? Something along those lines. But you're right, you know, Lij here. They were the they were the stars. The only really thing I remember from this thing with the Gorillas is in their intro, the the Walking Dead Gallus. 
Yep. Yep. Yeah, what did you think of Jado? That was an interesting I, I, look. Right. It, 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 I love their interest. Their interest was great here. It, I think it was more about that. So I, I this match was more about getting LIJ back to where they're, they should be at and almost a send-off to the Bucks. So the Gorillas are stuck here in this middle. So I'm really interested to see their response to this at Dash. Uh, what do you think of good guy Tamatonga? His new gimmick, he's no longer the bad boy. He's now the good guy, Tamatonga. I, I, I love it because it's <laughs> satire at its finest. It's absolutely freaking hilarious. I even it, uh, it's uh, I, I'll give you I'll give you a kiss on the cheek, shake your hand, but I'm gonna spit in your face. <laughs> the one that cracked me up was when he's uh, trying to get handshakes from everybody at the beginning of the match, and he goes over and he tries to get his handshake from evil. And it's like you're trying to get your hand shook by a man whose name is literally evil come on hey man. how great would be how great would it be if he no showed uh the big thing in jersey oh wouldn't that be freaking hilarious 150 bucks like he just so has- he can drink Woo. gonna be some lit hey, people you know at what? that party hey, i was gonna say you know what people might be mad though 150 bucks like no i i think the open bar is even for the lester ticket yeah. like for the, like the 60 dollar ticket so all right, everyone's sitting there and you're drinking, have a good time, and you just have a thing on the screen. Sorry, I can't make it, you hell ass bitch. Fantastic. Juice Dude, Robinson. You got free beer, you can't complain. <laughs> Juice Robinson defeats Cody to win his second IWGP United States Championship, a belt that I don't feel like he ever should have lost to begin with. I understand why they put it on Cody, but I don't like what they're doing with the United States Championship. I think that it's changing hands a bit too often here. Sounds like Juice is on his way to Ring of Honor. He's going to be spending some time in ROH this summer and spring, which running around with the IWGP US title. I like that. Having a New Japan belt inside of ROH. Um, The match, though, felt so Western to me. Uh, Very. uh, One of the second shortest matches of the night, 903. Uh, more about the pageantry. Pageantry uh, character. Know, the, yeah, and that's Cody, and that's what he's about. You know, that's you put it over here. Uh, Brandy looked freaking amazing. Showed everything that she can do. Uh, I'm getting a little tired of the dive on my man spot. Yeah. It's just, it feels so overdone. And then I remember like the Japanese audience probably hasn't seen that spot nearly as many times as we have seen that spot. So I try to give him a pass on it and I don't know, this match just felt really kind of jumbled to me and I didn't like the finish at all. The finish just felt like it came out of nowhere. Like, okay, you guys got nine minutes. Hope you're at nine Oh three time to go home. What's what I'm thinking? You know, it was more, I don't know if it was cut short, something like that. But again, you know, it felt like the entrances. Oh, and I, and I love those, man. Juice looked amazing, you know, in his entrance and all that. It, it showed what he's about. You know, it lets you see his character. And he's going to need that when he comes west. He's going to have to separate himself. And we said so many times, his look is every indie wrestler we have here. You know, what, you know, any little promotion you're going to go to, you're going to find a Juice Robinson. He's going to have to have something. Hey, and, and showed up the Ring of Honor with that nice piece of gold. That shiny little strap, it is going to set him apart. At least you're going to notice him a little bit. But what what is he going to do to separate himself moving forward? Again, sir, Jargo, not much to talk about in this match. It it kind of was, uh, you know, a, a filler spot here on the card. It was and, exactly and what we thought it placed, would be. Almost like right in the middle. Yep. Right in the middle. 
And then from this point on, things really start to pick up for me. Uh, Taisha Ishimori captures the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship from the ace, Kushida. Uh, Rick, we're hearing all kinds of reports that Kushida is NXT bound. And I just, I can't believe it because nobody says New Japan Pro Wrestling more than Kushida. But it sounds like this is actually going to happen. Well, I'm going to say, you know, I, I actually had on my notes here. If true, what a major signing for WWE. It really is. I mean, if there was ever a white meat baby face, it's Kushida. Well, you say that in you know the context of New Japan. Does it translate over here? I, I think it can present it properly. If you tell the story right. Well, I, here's what I was kind of thinking in the back of my mind. Are they kind of thinking this is our reset button reset button with Nakamura? Hmm. You know, how, how you would not no, not that they're the same size or the styles and all that, but how you want as a presentation as a marketing product. Well, I mean, there's no way Kushida goes to Raw or SmackDown. Kushida is 205 Live, like to a core. I mean, if you're gonna no, build I, around to Kushida for 205 Live, I'm good with it. I, I agree with you. I'm not talking about the Nakamura we know now. We're, I'm talking about inserting from the get-go. All right, we're going to start him at the starting line, out of the gate. We're going to rebuild and maybe do the right things with him where the, it went off the tracks with Nakamura. Well, I think the problem, at least as far as I'm concerned, with Shinsuke Nakamura is all they told us was how great he was and that he was this world-traveled, you know, amazing artist. And then they book him 50-50 in his first match with Dolph Ziggler. You know, if you're going to bring in a talent like Kushida, you need to tell us that all Kushida has ever wanted to do his entire life since he was like three is be a professional wrestler. And we've seen the video footage. His parents have video footage of Kushida wrestling basically anything he can get his hands on at a very, very young age. And you need to let it be known. Kushida started training at a very young age. He turned pro at a very young age. He is an eight time IWGP junior heavyweight champion. And now he is coming to try his skills on the grandest stage of them all and completely put over WWE. The thing is, you're not going to get English promos out of Kushida. He's going to have to tell all of his stories in the ring. Even on 205 Live, he is going to be severely undersized. Kushida's a little dude, but his he's very much like Zack Sabre Jr., where his talent is just fantastic. He can do any style. He can do whatever you want him to do. And he does it very, very well. He doesn't excel at anything. He just does everything very, very well. But I don't know how he translates into sports entertainment at all. Well, let's just hope he's not the next Kenta. Oh, God. Talk about dropping the ball. What did you think of Ishimori? It's not very often we get to see Ishimori actually be able to go full speed. He can against somebody like Kushida. I was say I actually enjoyed this match. I was a little disappointed that it just was a little shy of uh, what we got here, twelve minutes. I, I wish they would have maybe got like five more minutes. You know, for the styles and all that. The you go in was you know, insane. You you know what you expect when you go into a style match like this, and I was I enjoyed it. It was probably in my top three matches of the night. Let's talk about my match of the night. Jay White defeats the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. That's right, no little Kazu here. This was absolute rainmaker all the way thrown back to the uh, the boxer shorts. Uh, 
I didn't like this, Rick. I, I didn't like Jay White going over Rainmaker Okada. If we, if we were going to put Jay White over, it should have been the same Okada that we've been seeing for the last six months. I don't like him donning the old music and the old gear and here comes the Rainmaker and then losing the Switchblade Jay White. Well, I mean, doesn't that make it more impactful for White? You don't want, if you're going to try to establish a star here, are you going to put him over the lesser version? You you want all out, right? I guess. No I guess. I, I After this match, this should have been the best match of Jay White's career because he was in there with Kazuchika Okada. And I'm t- I just don't see it in Jay White, man. I, I like Jay White as a personality. I like him as a character. I think he's completely bought in. I think he's a very good pro wrestler, but there's something very Randy Orton about Jay White to me where no matter, and it's the Cody Rhodes thing, you know, go out there and give me that something more than a three-star match when you're in the ring with one of the best two or three professional wrestlers in the world. Here's what really got me on this one. And it, it goes back to a conversation you were having with someone. It might have been MSJ. You'll be able to tell me who here in a moment. But a problem within New Japan uh, and across across professional wrestling, without the you know because we're spreading these stars out, we don't have the top echelon. This is a main event marquee match. Jay White does not belong there right now. No. He is being forced. He's being forced into that spot. Who were you having that conversation with? And you you parlayed it to me. And it made a lot of sense. And that kind of resonated in my mind as I'm watching this match. You know, as much – and Jay White's never clicked in this switchblade gimmick to me. It, it, it just hasn't worked. But you know what? They continue to push, push, push. And, and he's getting better, better, better. But in this moment, I'm sitting here and I'm feeling like this should have been like match four or five. This should have been like match four or five. You have to gradually get into the deep end of the pool. And I feel it was almost, you know, he was like that guy standing there just on the edge and he got pushed in a little too fast. And I just, I don't, I didn't feel like he kept up with Okada. Like I I felt like they gave Jay White almost all the offense here. And most of this match was Okada selling his ass off. And then you'd get a couple of hope spots here and there with Okada it just this match. It never felt like it got out of third gear. This this isn't this isn't a knock on Jay White because he is a tremendous talent. He has a great future. But when you are at a show like Wrestle Kingdom, you do not expect Okada to wrestle down. Right, and that's very much what it felt like to me, anyway. I don't know something something's just not there with Jay White. I feel like he's an Intercontinental Championship wrestler. Like he should be at the top of the mid card right now. He doesn't belong in the ring with guys like Okada and Naito and Tanahashi. And the way the way of the lay of the land right now, how do you not say Jay White's not the number one contender to Tanahashi? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at everything that's going on here. He has to be uh, to either title of the two big titles, which we're going to talk about here. But how, well, why does it, why can't he just right now choose? And I don't think he could go with either of these champions. No. And, and we've seen him beat Tanahashi before. He beat him in the G1. He's beat Okada before. Like, and, and I'm also feeling like at some point, Jay White needs to get his goddamn comeuppance. I mean, it's been a year now. 
And Jay White's just running through New Japan doing whatever the hell he wants and beating up whoever the hell he wants and giving everybody and their brother a Blade Runner. And now he's got the booker in his back pocket. And okay, yeah, I get that. He pinned Tanahashi in the G1. He pins Okada in the G1. He keeps up his douchebag traits. He, he joins the Bullet Club. He's now the leader of the Bullet Club by Tomatonga's own admission. At what point does Jay White get his comeuppance? Hey, could that be the, the huge, huge swerve at Dash? I don't know, man. Something something just feels off here. It just feels off all the way around. Let's talk about the Intercontinental Championship. Tetsuya Naito wins the title that he never wanted. Back from Chris Jericho, the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Again, the, 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 the psychology of this match going into it, at no point did it feel like this match was about the Intercontinental Championship. You could have had Okada as the Intercontinental Champion and Jay White winning the Intercontinental Championship from Okada, and I probably would have liked that match a whole lot more. And you could have just had this as a no disqualification street fight grudge match, and I probably would have liked this match a whole lot more. Do you agree with that statement? Well, I could see why. You know, you want this, you know, going back to the Western marketing, Chris Jericho is a very familiar name, and he's walking around with championship gold. People, are, it pulls your eye more. I, I see the logic behind that, but you are right. It didn't need it, but it was a nice extra flair. Yeah, but the thing is, of everybody in New Japan Pro Wrestling, Tetsuya Naito is the one guy who doesn't want this belt. He's you know the what I one guy who shouldn't be coming to get this belt back. No, well, it, no, it was more of, I'm going to, is an insult to Chris Jericho and the West. I'm going to go get this thing I don't even want. You know what I'd really love to see? And I, I, maybe on Jericho's podcast, like he gets interrupted. Oh, you, you've got some uh, express mail. And he mails the belt back to him. <laughs> I, I did like the touch of after Naito hit Jericho with the belt, he just tosses it. I actually thought Dude, he I was going to leave the belt in the middle of the ring. I, I loved it. That's, what I, that's where I got that idea from. I was like, how great would it be? Like Jericho's doing his broadcast or he's, he's on television somewhere. Oh, we got an express package for you. And it's the Intercontinental Championship. Hey. Go ahead. And it's and got like a little post-it on it. Just keep it's it. It's a little post-it on it. Hey, you left this in Japan. How <laughs> great would that be? So now we have Naito once again running around with the IC title. Um, and all indications are Jericho is all elite wrestling bound, which I'm not sure if I buy that or not because WWE needs star power and... Vince will throw money at Chris Jericho to get him to come back for a WrestleMania match at this point. Uh, I guess here's my issue with this match, Rick. Just about every match that we have seen out of Chris Jericho in New Japan Pro Wrestling has been some kind of a hardcore match. I really wanted to just see a regular match between these two guys without all of the no DQ and the kendo sticks and because I almost feel like we've seen that. And I felt like the no DQ stipulation was put in here to be a crutch. What did you think of the match? Well, I think going back to, you know, what you said about the stipulation, and this goes back to even Jericho holding the Intercontinental Championship. He is that Western billboard for them. So in that style, you know, we got to, you got to go extravagant. You got to go over the top. You got to make it this huge production. I think that's an aspect you got to take into consideration here. And also, slap a gimmick on it, protects Jericho. 
You know, he ain't got to go in there and work that technical style. You know, he can go do a couple spots to wow a crowd, you know, take a kendo, beat somebody up with something where he's not. And you, you think when you see no disqualification and you see those big spots, when you get down to the basics of it, if you go wrestle a real Chris Jericho match with NATO, that's probably more hard on your body than a couple of these spots in a gimmick match. That's a very good point. I uh, didn't like the DDT spot on the table. <laughs> that looked didn't, like didn't it like killed it NATO. Didn't like it at all. No, was not a fan of that. Uh, so I kind of wanted to tie these two matches together, Rick. Uh, do you think we're done with Jericho and New Japan Pro Wrestling? With Jericho, it's tough to say because you never know what this guy's up to. Uh, do you expect to see him at Dash? I, I don't. I, I think for the time being, he he is gone. Okay, so that begs the next question because I feel like Jericho is the logical answer. Where does Okada go from here? Huh. Because I feel like Jericho is the logical answer no, to where no, does I'm, Okada I'm go, I, go from here. Well, I'm going back here, and I'm trying to think about now, you know, even saying he's done here, and I'm talking about Dash. Could we see a formation? Because you've been really high on this. Omega's going to lose everything at Dash. You know, he's going to get kicked out. He's going to have no friends left. And could it be, could it be Jericho is the one, like – that stands in the ring and offers his hand and says, follow me. And they both show up at the rumble. You know, it, all your friends are going to wow. all elite. Follow me to WWE. Wouldn't that be it, some shit? You know, could you tie those into each other now with Okada? Then could that leave Okada filling the, I've really lost everything. You know, I, Gato I just, and just beat me. You know, could, could he start from the bottom up? Because, I mean, I just I look at this roster and what is left for Okada? Like, do we go? I don't want to see Okada Tanahashi at this point. I'm not even sure I really want to see Okada in NATO at this point. I would actually have Okada have some more humiliating defeats going into G1 and have him win the G1. Hmm. It's going to be interesting to see what 2019 holds for the Rainmaker. Almost tell the story that they should have last year with John Cena. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about it. The Go main Ace. event. Go Ace. Your main event of Wrestle Kingdom 13. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeats Kenny Omega to capture the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Rick, this was a great match. Uh, the, the drama inside of this match, the ideology inside of this match, the psychology, the philosophy, all of it. I absolutely love this match. So why did it feel so anticlimactic to me when Hiroshi Tanahashi captured the IWGP Heavyweight Championship? I, I think, honestly, Jarge, it's because of everything else going on around it. Like, if you could have removed everything you know outside of this bubble, it would have been a great moment. But that's impossible. You know, you know where we are at, you know, just being, you know, great fans that we are and then having our platforms where we have to overanalyze and, and really dive into these observations, I think we were too absorbed with all things All Elite, what's going on with Omega, is he having that meeting next week with Vince? 
it, it kind of dwarfed this moment. It really did. It just it didn't feel nearly as big as it should have been. Tanahashi winning that title should have felt much bigger than it did to me. And the, the Japanese you know, fans were into it, man. The Tokyo Dome was coming unglued for Tanahashi. But I'm looking at the Western expansion, and it was just like, it, it just, it felt flat to me. Well, let's, let's talk about it, because I want to say, you know, Tanahashi, that their fan base, they wanted the belt back. They've been hungry for it. You've been telling me this like a month after, you know, Omega One, they were kind of over it. Like, okay, yeah, he got it. Yep. Now, now we want our guy to head back. So it was a crowning achievement for them. So we have to separate, you know, their home base versus us in the West. Now, could you imagine right now uh, the buzz that would be just taking over the Western professional wrestling universe had Omega won that championship? I mean, that throws everything into this this crazy crazy turmoil you know i thought he had a meeting with vince you know what's up with all elite what's going on i mean that but to us it's kind of like okay they just gave it back to their john cena right yep and and now it seems as though switchblade versus hiroshi tanahashi for the iwgp world heavyweight championship i mean that when i look at the new japan roster that seems like the most logical match going forward into new beginning in sapporo that does not feel like a main event to me. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just going to say, it. man, that seems like a mid-card match. Now, can you uh, now? But there's other tangibles there. You know, you can you can turn it up with you know with the OG Bullet Club and things like that. But even at this point, they're dwarfed a little bit by everything that's going on with the elite. Yeah, absolutely, very much so. Well, so okay, so let me throw this at you. With everything that's going on, you know, everyone's excited here in the West. And they got their big shows coming up over here, so they really can't pull back. They, they have to charge forward there. But in some sense, should they just pull back and refocus on their core right now? Is this a perfect time to go back to your roots? It seems like it. And then yet, when I look at this card, and more specifically, when I look at all the finishes to all of these matches, has there ever been a more Western version of Wrestle Kingdom than what last night's show was? You know, going back to what we said at the top when we were talking about this, I think one of the reasons I really enjoyed this show is just the subtle nuances of the the state, you know, the arena feel, you know, that legit thing. But then you get into, you know, like I was saying, you know, the intros and some of the match stuff, it kind of took away from what you really feel that vibe from New Japan. And it's crazy because when you look at all of these matches individually, this was a really good show, but it wasn't that knockout blow you away. Oh my God. What the hell did I just see wrestle kingdom that we have seen for the last two or three years? Well, is this a product of more people are having their eyes on Wrestle Kingdom because I'll even admit, you know, I really didn't get into this thing. I started, you know, it was on my calendar every year since Wrestle Kingdom 10. So, and, you know, that knocked my socks off. And the next year, amazing. Am I starting to get into a groove where I'm expecting too much? That's what I'm wondering. Are our standards now so high for New Japan Pro Wrestling that unless they go out and I don't want just a five-star match, I want a five-star show. And I I don't even feel like that is fair 
to New Japan Pro Wrestling to expect that from them. And not even that standards are so high for New Japan, but expectations are so low elsewhere. And when you're comparing the top to the bottom, it, it has that trickle-down effect. So we've hit the reset button completely now, Rick. Every title has a new champion inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling, with the exception of the Never Open Weight Championships, will be, which will be defended tonight at New Year's Dash. How do you feel about New Japan Pro Wrestling going forward into 2019 and in the more immediate future, Madison Square Garden? Well, here's what I really take from this entire show. You know, this is I'm looking at 2019 as the grandest poker game that we've ever seen. And they're all sitting around the table. You know, they don't want to show their face. And, you know, by just by sake of the calendar, New Japan is the first one and has to show their hand. So they set the standard. They set the tone. This is going to set up now next. All right, Impact, what do you got? All right, WWE, how are you going to answer? Hey, we got a new we got a new player at the table. All right, All Elite, what do you got? Hey, MLW over there. This is going to be a very interesting year. I am so much looking forward to 2019 and coming out of the gate here. Uh, by the standards we just said, maybe we're expecting too much. Uh, I think that New Japan set a good tone here. Uh, they set a very baseline, and maybe they want to save their best right now because they know that all these things are going to unfold. They didn't want to give away too much here. Reports are flying about Kenny Omega meeting with Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Uh, Rick, we know that the WWE has made Kenny Omega a quote unquote fantastic offer. Uh, now this, I, I, I don't believe it. All right. And I have not had this corroborated, but the number that is floating around out there is $3.5 million a year. How long? Five? I assume it's either three or five. $3.5 million a year. If that is the offer on the table, Kenny Omega, take that deal. Without any question, Kenny Omega, take take that deal. Take that deal. 3.5, put me number three in the rumble. Well, here's another thing. Does he go straight or do you run him through NXT? He goes straight. At that kind of money, he goes straight. They, they've paid, I mean, not that money, but they've given those those big contracts to people to go through. I, I don't think he needs it, but could it be something in their minds? You know what? I'm going to retract here. You know, I was thinking in their minds, yeah, we're going to humble him. He's one of us now. But right now, what we're just talking about setting a tone, setting the scene, you need somebody like Omega to pop your product right now. Now, as much as, as, much as I don't believe you that sending? number... As much as I don't believe that number, because I just, I cannot for the life of me believe that Vince McMahon would pay Kenny Omega three and a half million dollars a year. I just, I, I just, I don't believe it because I know what some of the talents inside of the WWE make. In, in Vince's mind, goddamn, pal, how much am I paying him a foot? In Vince's mind, does he have to pay Kenny Omega three and a half million dollars? just to take him away from New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, Ring of Honor Pro Wrestling, and get him underneath of a WWE umbrella? Absolutely not. And actually, that number is is actually insane. I don't know if I'd pay him that. I, I don't know if I believe that number. I just can't believe that number. AJ Styles is making $2 million a year. 
if you're sitting there near Vince, there is no way in in hell you're giving Kenny Omega that money. If that is the case, if Vince McMahon gives Kenny Omega three and a half million dollars a year, number one, Kenny Omega, you take that money and you don't apologize to anybody. You take that goddamn money. But Rick, we, we, we said when they signed this Fox deal, okay, now they've got fuck you money. This is what you do with fuck you money. Yeah, that's not fuck you money. That's fucking stupid money to be throwing that around. And, and I love Kenny Omega. And you know how big he is in the draw and all that, but I'm sorry. That's an insane uh, number. It, it would, yes, it's insane. That's an insane number. All right, Rick. So uh, let's go ahead. We're going to wrap things up for this week's show. Unless, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about this week from the world of professional wrestling? If you are a WWE fan and we didn't talk any WWE today, I'm sorry. There is just way too much going on for us to even attempt to talk about WWE this week. There's no WWE news going on. You know, we're covering everything. We're talking about the hottest news, the hottest takes in professional wrestling. What's happening today? You had the one of the biggest shows of the year. You got everything going on with All Elite. Hey, we peppered in WWE conversation throughout the show. Yeah, there is that. There is that. We, we did say Vince McMahon a lot on this show. Uh, Rick, I, I got a couple spoilers for people coming up. Uh, I just want to let people know what we're up to here for 2019. Uh, next week on the show, we will have Mr. David McLean. He's the founder of Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. He's also one of the creative forces behind WoW. How fucking cool is that? Right? Pretty How awesome. How cool is that? Pretty awesome. A true legend inside of the TV business. Looking forward to talking with him. And then we are also going to have Miss Abilene Maverick from the Women of Wrestling. We're going to have her on the show here next week. And, and... I have been in contact with our good friends at Ring of Honor Pro Wrestling, and we will have a special guest. I'm not going to tell you who yet, but we are going to have a special guest coming up on next week's show to help preview Honor Reign Supreme. Huckleberry, there is so much going on. Oh, yeah, and then we've got Homecoming on Sunday. We've got TakeOver Blackpool coming up next weekend. Welcome to freaking Mania season, right? Well, I will say a little bit more on that. Uh, I don't want to throw a name out there yet, but this month coming up in January on our Indie Spotlight, we're going to be talking with uh, a very talented lady who just went through a tryout at the Performance Center. And and we're working on getting a guy on the show who just so happens to have been inside of the Tokyo Dome last night. Yeah, we got some big stuff coming up for 2019. Put on your big boy pants. It's going to be fun. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then head over to the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Check out some of our friends like Going Home with Ryan and Michael, Turnbuckle Talk with Joe and Carl, and a whole lot more. Also, search Hacker Hameen on your favorite podcast listening device so you never miss any content from RBV and myself over in the locker rooms on Mondays. That's where you're going to be able to find your uh, homecoming review this Monday, as well as all the talk from New Year's Dash, unless we end up doing a special show tomorrow, which is a distinct possibility. Um, 
We also got the likes of Billy Ray Valentine, The Andrew Bellow, Strangler Steve King, Big Ray Hernandez, Ben Hameen, and of course Big Stevie Cool himself, and a lot more. Also visit our friends over at LastWordOnProWrestling.com daily for your news from all around the world of professional wrestling. You can hit the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook, Hitting the Marks, email us at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. Find us Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for an all-new episode of HTM Sports. You can find me across all social media platforms where I'll probably ignore you, at NotJargo, RBV! Where do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? Well, I'm going to tell you this right here. Uh, uh, a semi-official statement. Uh, I've been advised my legal counsel has told me to shut down all social media as I am pursuing a, a very outrageous lawsuit against Turnbuckle Talk. Uh, they're piggybacking off of my well-respected and established persona. So Joe and Carl, check your mailboxes, check your emails, keep your phones on. Judge Judy will be calling you. See, they're just using your likeness. They straight stole my gimmick. It's time for a seven-second dance party. Yeah, it doesn't matter if I stole the gimmick. They stole the gimmick from me. That's it for this week's show. I've had enough of you people. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you next week for Season 2. No, Season 3, Episode 2. Ha-ha! For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! me don't give up your bad guy stop stop Go!
was at home with me last night I'll be your bad guy